the most powerful thing that I do every morning, spending time in the reading of the word. And I believe that if you discipline yourself in the reading of the word, in meditation or reading of scripture, it will transform your life as well. Um, the book, right, this book right here is intimidating for a lot of people, right? This book right here is uh, intimidating for people. And so they they wait for the experts to tell them what this book says. They, they wait for the experts to tell them, well, you know, this is what the Bible says. And yet the Bible is readily available to you to read. And it makes wise or simple. It's made for everyone to understand, not just for the spiritually elite. And I think what happens is that because we, as the teachers of scripture, we don't have, uh, we're not afforded the time to really teach through the entire scripture. We miss out on the grand narrative of what God is doing in humanity and in the earth and the whole purpose for the scripture in the first place and the whole purpose for Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're reading the scriptures. We're going to read through the entire scripture and we've been doing that. And I also want to show you that as intimidating as this looks, all it takes is half a Netflix episode a day. Um, we've been reading for 20 to 30 minutes every day. And now we've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and now we're in first Samuel. Um, we've been reading since, uh, since I, now it's been almost now it's been a year, but we we read through the entire New Testament just reading for twenty to thirty minutes every weekday, and then afterwards I rant and I just reflect on what the Lord is speaking into. That's why we call this the read and rant. And so, uh, family, this is what we're here to do. We're here to engage in the word. And I love this time of prayer. Uh, just so you guys know, I'm going to try to jump on maybe about 10 minutes early every time on TikTok, just to spend some time and just worship. Uh, because I believe we have to set an atmosphere to receive from God, to receive what God has to say to us today. And so, um, it is powerful hearing that song come again by, um, Elevation Worship in Maverick City by their collaboration. Uh, and, and that, that, that word at the end, um, it's not a building that you're looking to fill. It's our heart. Um, the Lord wants to fill our hearts. And I believe there's a new revival coming where it's not, it's not big crowds and big buildings filled with people who are here to hear somebody preach the word, but rather it's going to be a movement of people who bring the word that is within them out to every crack and crevice and corner of society in the world and cities all around the world. And I believe that when the church finally actually scatters and disperses, that's when we really see the power of God manifest. So this is really about what God is doing. Um, and and I love that, 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 you know, he says it's not a building that you're looking to fill, but it's our heart. And that's powerful because that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to fill our hearts because if he can fill our hearts, then he can fill our homes. If he can fill our homes, and he can fill our communities. And if, if he can fill our communities, then he can fill our cities. And if he fills our cities, he can fill our countries. And if he fills our countries, he can fill our world. And so that's why we're here. So we got people from all around the world. I got people, look at this. So let me quickly get your shout outs real quick. On IG, I've got Nigeria in the house. Quickly shout out where you're at. Nigeria in the house, New Orleans in the house, New Zealand in the house, New Hall, California, Las Vegas, Virginia, Toronto, Garner, North Carolina, Australia. You got a nice group now coming on on IG. Um, so that's growing really fast as well. Um, wow, there's 60 of you right now on IG. So that's, that's really cool that we have so many people coming together to read the scriptures and to reflect and ruminate over the scriptures. We've got 
Australia in the house, UK in the house. We've got Charleston, South Carolina in the house, California in the house, Georgia, Cali, Netherlands, Arizona. We've got Nashville, New York. We've got Haiti. We have Jamaica. We have Las Vegas. We have the Philippines. We have people right now from all around the world. This is a powerful endeavor. I got India. I got Atlanta in the house. I've got Brooklyn, New Jersey, Miami, Boston, New Zealand. We've got the UK. Guys, we have people from all over the world right now who are about to engage in simultaneity to read the word of God. That is powerful, family. That is powerful. So let's do it. Um, I don't want to belabor the time. Let's get right into it. Um, we're going to be reading through 1 Samuel chapter 10. And the, two, and the three questions that we're going to ask as we're reading the scriptures, because we're going to read it from a, a meditational posture, is God, what are you revealing today concerning you? What are you revealing today concerning you? The second question that we're going to ask is, Lord, what are you revealing concerning people, your people, people? What are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we're going to ask is, Lord, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? This is how we read with a meditational posture. And so that's what we're going to do today. That is what we're going to do. So I'm excited about that. So let's get right into it. First Samuel chapter 10, and we're going to pray. Father, I just ask right now, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. Speak to us today, Lord. We've got people right now from all around the world coming together right now to read your word. Father, we pray that you would breathe your spirit into this time. Lord, that we would receive from you revelation, that we receive from you clarity, that we receive from you correction, conviction, that we receive from you what you intend for us today, Lord. We submit our hearts to you. We open our hearts to you, Lord. Fill us up. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Let's get right to it. First Samuel chapter 10. And we're going to read for about 20 minutes today. And then... Um, I'll just share some thoughts about where the Lord is leading because I have nothing planned just to hear what God has to say. And that's what we call it a rant. <laughs> All right, um, let's do it. First uh, Samuel chapter 10, verse one. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in a territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now, and now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go forward up from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor there are three men going up to God. At Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that, you will come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. 
He shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you to show you what you should do. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And they came there to the hill. There was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore became the prophet, the, the proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to a high place. Hmm. He went to a high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? So he said, to look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppress you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near, the families of family of Matri was chosen and Saul, the son of Kish was chosen, and when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, how has, sorry, has the man come here yet? Hmm. And the Lord answered, there he is, hidden among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him who the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and saying, Long live the king. And Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it upon Sorry, laid it before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gebeah. And valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Oh, there's a lot here. Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition, I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said to him, 
hold off for seven days that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. Then if there's no one to save us, we will come out to you. So the messengers came to Jabesh, sorry, to Gebeah of Saul and told the news and the hearing of the people and the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, what troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. And the spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen, cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of the messengers saying, whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. The fear of the Lord fell upon the people and they came out with one consent. When he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000, the men of Judah, 30,000. And they said to the messengers who came, thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported to the men of Jabesh and they were glad. Therefore, the men of Jabesh said, tomorrow we will come out to you and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies. They came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered and that no two of them were left together. And the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal and they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men rejoiced greatly. Now Samuel said to all of Israel, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 12 now. Now Samuel said to all of Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice and all that you said to me, and I have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, you have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and is anointed, is witnessed this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, who brought up your fathers from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning. Hold on one second. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord said, sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. 
And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubal, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God is your king. Now, therefore, hear is the king whom you have chosen, whom you have desired, and take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you feared the Lord and served him and obeyed his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver for their, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Fighting words. Chapter 13. Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, 2,000 were with Saul at Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and a 1,000 were, were with Jonathan in Gebeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard, heard it said that Saul had attacked the garrison of Philistines, and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul in Gilgal. And the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 
30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand, which is on the seashore of the multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed. Then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt sacrifice and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened. As soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come with within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then he said, Then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Now the Lord, <coughs> sorry, which he had commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord had commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel rose and went up to Gilgal and Gebeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Saul, Jonathan his son, and people present with them remained in Gebeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road of Orphra, to the land of Shual. Another company turned to the road of Beth Haran. Another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now, there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, let the Hebrews make swords, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But the Israelites would go down to the Philistines, sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattocks, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for the sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, and the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to be set as points and goads. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to pass to the pass of Michmash. Uh, I'm going to stop right here. Thank you so much for the gift. Thank you so much. Craving donuts. Love that. Love that tag. Um, thank you so much for that gift. So uh, speak to us, Lord, as we reflect on your word today. Um, if you are here for the first time, you know what this is all about. 
sorry, if you, if you haven't been here, if you've been here, sorry, if you've been here on the regular, you know what this is all about. If you're here for the first time, you're wondering, okay, what is it that we're doing here? What we do here is a meditational reading. We've been reading through the entire scripture. Um, I believe that the most powerful thing that any believer can do is actually read the Bible for themselves. That's the the most powerful endeavor of any believer is to read the scriptures. Okay. Um, is to read the scriptures. And it's and it's the discipline that we all engage in. We spend about 20 minutes. That's what we did today. Um, actually, no, we spent a little bit less than that. We spent 18 minutes, okay, reading the word. And I felt we should stop here. Uh but this is what we've done. And notice we've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and now we're in uh, Ruth, and now we're in 1 Samuel. So it tells you how much Bible you can get through simply spending 20 minutes to 30 minutes reading scripture. And that's what we do. If you ever miss any of our reading rants, you can always catch them. Um, now I'm starting to save them on my IG profile. So you can catch it there on my IG profile. But you can also... Um, catch it on our Read and Rant podcast. So if you want to catch up from Genesis all the way through, uh, we have a podcast available to you as well that you can go and catch up on it. But the whole purpose of this is for me to show you what the grand biblical narrative is, the grand biblical story, because a lot of Christians, because a lot of Christians haven't read through the Bible, they simply see the Bible as this instructional book. Uh, they see the Bible simply as a book of instruction or a book of laws on how it is that we ought to live as Christians. And somewhere in there, we get some revelation about who God is. And yet that's not what the Bible is about. That's not the purpose of the scriptures. The purpose of the scriptures is actually to reveal the redemption, the work that God has done to reveal to, to for all humanity. It's a story. It's a story of how God is redeeming or is restoring and has redeemed humanity. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's a story of how he does that through Jesus Christ and how, how he's accomplished it through Jesus Christ. And so we, we all, you know, we, we, we've all heard different verses and we, and we sometimes read these verses, but we don't read it within the grand biblical narrative. We don't read it within the big picture. And that's really why I felt it was important that we at least read through the entire Bible. But this is also spiritual discipline for me that I read through the scriptures in order to grow and to receive. And I read it from a meditational posture so that I don't just understand it intellectually, but that I'm receiving something deeper than that. Okay. I'm receiving more. I'm receiving an understanding of who God is and who I am in him. And I'm cultivating my relationship with God in my time in the reading of the word. And that's why we do this. That's why we, we read the word. And so that's what we do. And so, so if this is your first time, glad you're here, stick with us because we're going to journey. We're going to read through the entire new Testament, sorry, the entire old Testament. And then we're going to go back and we're going to read through the entire new Testament again. And then we'll go back and read through the entire old Testament by just simply reading for 20 to 30 minutes a day. So today, what do I, what, 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 what have I done? I do what I do almost every time I sit down and read the word. I ask those three questions. Lord, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Lord, what are you revealing concerning people? Lord, what are you revealing concerning me? I don't want to spend all my time breaking down the totality of the scripture up to this point. You guys have all been there, but I do want to piggyback off of what we were talking about yesterday, because the verse today that sticks out to me in our time of reading, and it's really a piggyback off of what we talked about yesterday, is the verse in the previous chapter that we close with in 1 Samuel chapter 12. 
And again, we can go through the whole story of God, okay? And you can go back because a lot of us as Christians have read the Bible wrong. We read it wrong. We read it with the wrong purpose. We read it with the wrong intention. When you begin to read the scriptures, understanding that the scripture is a narrative thread of a chosen people of God and how God is redeeming all of humanity through these chosen people, reconciling all men to himself through these people, it transforms how you read the scripture. It transforms how you read the laws. It transforms how you um, you read the stories in the scriptures because it forces you now to step out of the scripture, to go, oh, okay, the Ten Commandments was not written to me. The Ten Commandments was written for me. It wasn't written to me for me to obey because it was written to the children of Israel for them to obey, but it was written for me and showing me how it shaped them into knowing God and how it can cultivate and shape me into knowing God. And, and so th these are the things that I'm hoping that people begin to understand this, 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 this grand picture of what God is doing. So all I'm here to do, and for those of you, because I know I have atheists here, um, I got 203 of y'all on TikTok, on TikTok right now. I've got 85 of y'all on Instagram. And I know there's some people in here who are either unchurched, left church. There are those of you who are atheists. There are those of you who uh, maybe have another religious belief. I want you to engage in this exercise because I find, I don't know why I'm compelled to say this, but I find that a lot of people have all these perceptions about what it means to be a Christian and what it means or, or what it means to believe in God and what the Christian faith is and what the church is. There are all these misperceptions, right? And all these misperceptions come out of broken experiences, but really mostly come out of our ignorance in Scripture. We're actually ignorant of it because I see people who say, well, the Bible says this, and how can you believe all this fake stuff? And how can you believe all of this? And how can you believe this? And there are things that people will say to me, and I go, that's not actually in the Bible. And the Bible doesn't say that. Yes, it does, because I was told that the Bible said this. Or they'll say there are all these inconsistencies in the scripture and all these inconsistencies in the Bible. Or they'll say things like the Bible condones slavery and the Bible this and the Bible that. And I go, have you actually read it? Not not actually like picked a, a, a sliver of scripture, but have you actually read it? Because a lot of times the reason why we get thrown off from bad teaching is because we haven't read it. Yes, teaching has its place. But if you haven't read it for yourself, what's the purpose of the teaching? I'm sorry, I'm ranting. You know, it's a rant. That's what I do. I read, I rant. But what's the purpose of, of, of getting teaching from a teacher of scripture if you haven't actually sat down and read it for yourself. And for many people, all their questions and their doubts and the things that they say, their presuppositions about scripture and about the word all comes out of their ignorance and not because they're dumb, because they're many brilliant people, but it comes out of their ignorance. That is that they never actually read the whole thing. So because they never actually read the whole thing, they don't really know what this book is about. And they don't know that what's being taught doesn't align with the grand story of what the Bible is really about. So I just want to invite you, for those of you who are here, um, who 
may have had these presuppositions about Christian faith or these presuppositions about, yes, right, read these chapters. It's exactly, it's, it's equivalent to that. It's equivalent to, you have to actually read this and then let's talk about it. Because this, you have to understand, the scripture was not designed for the spiritually elite. The scripture wasn't meant to be understood by simply the great minds and the great thinkers. The scripture was for everyone. The scripture is for my boys. I have my boys read this with me. If I understand that. And so if we can now understand the scripture from a grand narrative and understand the purpose of it, then we'll understand that there's a lot of things and positions that we take about faith that's very, very small. Like, for example, saying that someone is an Israelite and making it about that man makes God so small and we miss what the actual scriptures is really saying. Anyway. All that is to say, a lot of your questions would be answered if you simply just read through the whole book. And that's why we're doing this, is to read through the whole book. And yes, I don't have enough time to do that, so go back to the previous episodes of the Read and Rant. But I want to leave you with one thought, because this is not really for teaching purpose, but more to expose you to the whole text and the totality of the text. But we talked about this, that the children of Israel, quick recap, the children of Israel, the Israelites, I think someone just mentioned the Israelites here, that the Israelites were called by God. They were God's chosen people. Abraham, Abraham was was to be the father of many nations. And among his children, you had Ishmael, and then Ishmael, it breaks out, and you had Isaac, and Isaac, it breaks out to um, Jacob and then Esau, the two sons of Isaac, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons, and out of the 12 sons, they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And out of the 12 tribes of Israel, now comes a nation of people through the covenant of God, through that story. That means through all the story of humanity, that through that covenant is one who has a thread that is God's chosen people, the, the children of Israel. And that's what the scriptures is telling us. But we forget what they were chosen for. When we say that they're the chosen people of God, we forget what they were chosen for. Go back again, read through the scriptures. They were chosen to be a nation of priests. That is, that they were chosen to live a life of sacrifice in order to reveal what the kingdom of God would look like. They were here to restore the kingdom of God on earth. I find often when people think about the chosen people, they think that they were chosen for political power or they think that they were chosen for political might or for military power or for economic power, that they were chosen to be above all people, to rule over people. But the way that they ruled, we're going to see is the way Yeshua ruled, the way Yeshua HaMashiach ruled. And the way he ruled was through sacrifice, the way that the priests ought to rule, and he explains that, is through a life of continual and perpetual sacrifice. Is that, are you hearing me? So therefore, if it's scripture, now, mind you, if we're going to follow scripture, 
They were set apart. He says, be holy for I am holy. He didn't say be perfect for I am perfect because they could not be perfect. <laughs> we see the proof of that because they were given the law and in the law, they continue to fail, but they could not be perfect. But he asked them to be holy, set apart from all people in order to rule in a way that was distinct from the rest of the world. You see, the rest of the family of Abraham were the Canaanites, and in the Canaanites, they were the Jebusites, the, the, the Hivites, the Hittites, the, the Ammonites, the Philistines. There were all these ites. And yet they lived a life of moral debasement, moral depravity, and there was pain, there was suffering, there was uh, uh, abuse, there was manipulation, there was oppression. All those things came out of the fact that they were ruled by something other than God. They were ruled by their own identity. They were ruled by their own power. They were ruled by their own desire. They were ruled by what they saw in themselves. They were ruled by self-gratification and self-pleasing. They ruled by their own seeking of power. It was Game of Thrones, y'all. It was Game of Thrones. And so because they ruled in that way, God was establishing a different rule. You're not going to rule seeking power. You're not going to rule prostrating power, but you're going to rule in submission and sacrifice. You're going to be called and set aside to be separate, that my presence would sit among you. And when my presence sits among you, you will now establish the righteousness and justice on earth that it will be established through me. And so now I will rule you. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will rule you. You're going to operate on something other than everyone else. Everyone's operating on self and their own self-desire and their own self-gratification and their own self-power. But you are going to be ruled by my authority because that was how it was supposed to be from the beginning at the garden. But Adam wanted to be God himself. So all these nations of people who want to be gods in and of themselves, they can do it. However, there's one that rules above all, and it's going to be Yahweh, <laughs> the great I am. And yet I'm going to rule through you. And the way that I rule through you is by my spirit. And when I pour out my spirit upon you, I'm calling you and setting you aside to be a nation of priests living in submission to humanity to bring restoration to humanity. I'm putting a piece of land aside, this land that was promised to you. And in this land, you're going to rule how I rule and how I wanted the restoration of the world and how I wanted nations to be restored. And when the world begins to see Eden restored on this land, then the rest of the world will rule as I rule. And when the rest of the world rules as I rule, there will be no pain. There will be no suffering. There will be no strife. There will be no death when you rule as I rule. But we see through the scriptures that they could not. They failed over and over and over again. And now we're beginning to see the thread of the story of how God called these people, set them aside to rule. And yet they perpetually fail. And judges, we read what happened in judges. They failed. They let Canaanite culture, Canaanite thinking, Canaanite ideology, they let all the moral debasement and depravity of, of Canaan take over them, and they became as Canaan. And when the book of Judges ends, the book of Judges tells us that, that, every, that there was no king in Israel and that every man did what was right in his own eyes. 
This is the destruction of humanity, that every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. And in the end, it leads to destruction. And yet now God calls Samuel, who is the prophet, to usher in a king. But the king was already here. And yet the people were dissatisfied by that king. They wanted another king. And they wanted another king because that's what the Canaanites do. That's what the Philistines do. That's what everybody else, they all have kings, so why can't we have kings? Why can't, why can't we have a king? Someone that we can submit to. Why, why, why can't we have a king? Someone who can tell us what to do, and yet they already had a king. And in yesterday's reading, we saw that them asking for a king was a direct rejection of God. God literally says that it is a direct rejection of them. And now in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Look at, look at verse 12 in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 12, today's reading is, and when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord, your God was your king. They already had a king. They already had a king, but they wanted another king. They wanted a king that they could see, a king that they can look at. They already had a king, but they wanted a king like the Amorites. They wanted a king like the Hittites. They wanted a king like the Ammonites. They wanted a king. They wanted someone to rule them rather than being ruled by God. Now, therefore, he says in verse 13, here is the king whom you have chosen whom you have desired, and take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Wrong king. Wrong king. We would rather be ruled by personalities than to be ruled by God. This is the continual arrogance and temptation of humanity that somehow we need human rule. That divine rule isn't enough. Hold oh, the Lord ruling our hearts. That's not, that's not enough. No, no, no. That's not good enough. No, 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 no. We, 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 we need someone else to rule over us. And Samuel has notice. Notice the, the coronation here. He, he, he's, he's, he's crowning Saul king. Saul is being crowned king, but he gives a word of conviction when he crowns Saul king. This chapter 12 is about him crowning Saul king, but then as he's crowning Saul king, he's convicting them that, yeah, I'm going to put this person in place to rule you, but this was not how it was supposed to be. You had a king, and now you chose another king. Have you chosen another king? Have you, have you chosen other kings in your life? Have you made your husband your king who rules you over God? Have you, have you, made, have you made Donald Trump your king? 
Have you made Biden your king? Is that your king? Have you made your pastor your king in your church? Yeah. Have you made your pastor your king? Have you have you made people kings? Oh, it's so easy to follow a person. It's so easy. It's so easy to 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 submit to a person. All I need is someone who's good looking and articulate. Uh, they don't even need to be. If they're articulate enough, that's good. Or they're good looking enough, that's all right. If they're tall enough, if they're wise enough, if they've got enough intelligence. Isn't it funny how our Christianity today is more personality driven? Isn't it funny how in the church today, we have more people who talk about the preaching of Jesus and the preachers of Jesus than Jesus himself. There are more people who talk about the great preachers and the great pastors and the celebrity pastors and celebrity preachers and all the celebrity people more than they talk about Jesus. They spend more time talking about what he said than what Jesus says. They spend more time talking about what everybody else is talking about because we love to be ruled by people. And then we wonder, family, why it is that we experience so much pain because we made gods out of men when the men were never gods. They fail you. And in the moment that they fail you, oh, can I just, I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but can I rant for a moment? There's some people in here right now who the reason why you left your faith in Jesus Christ is because of what a pastor did or because of what a church did or because of what an organization did. You left it because of what a priest did. You, you, you left church because of what a minister did or because of what a prophet did or an apostle did or what a preacher did. You left faith in Jesus. The reality is, is you were never serving Jesus. You were serving a person. You were never serving Jesus. You were serving a representation of Jesus. You made somebody else king. And when that person failed you because that person is going to fail because that person is a human being, we make pastors and we make ministers and we make these apostles and we make these prophets kings. And you left because of that. But the reality is, is you never knew God. You never knew Jesus. You chose to serve a person than to serve Christ. And you wonder why in the end it was left with brokenness because the brokenness came out of the fact that you turned that person into God. There are some people right now who say, I can't, I, I'm never going to believe in Jesus again because of what a pastor did or because of what this church did and because of all the oppressive things that the church did. What if I told you that you served a church? You never, you never served Jesus. You never served God. You never knew him. You never knew him. You made him king. You chose him to be king. You chose her to be king. You chose a person to be king. And when that person let you down, you equated it to God letting you down. That's a lie. And it's a lie that the enemy puts on us when the reality is we need to, we need to be convicted today. We need to be convicted today to say, you know what? I've been blaming God for things that man has done when I made man the God in my life. Whew. Let me go back to that. I might even make a TikTok out of that. <laughs> because the reality is, is there are people who left church because of what wicked 
and and ungodly men had done and you could never see it. You could never see it because you, you wouldn't accept it because you had already made them God. We've all done it. So now when a pastor sins, isn't it funny how the moment that the pastor sinned, Everybody goes, oh my God, you see? Look at these Christians, look at Christianity, look at Christianity. That's the problem with Christianity. At least problem with modern Christianity is we turned our leaders and our pastors into gods. We made them kings. And yet we do not serve under the Lordship and the rule of Christ. The question is, is Christ ruling your heart? And for many of us who've been hurt, Christ never ruled our hearts. We were simply receiving product and grace from a king. But he says this in verse 24, chapter 12, verse 24. He says, only fear the Lord. Look what he says. Is moreover as for me, sorry, verse 23, moreover as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. He's worried about them. He's like, y'all love this Saul guy way too much. You guys made him king and y'all love him way too much. And get be worried when you love somebody way too much. I'm just going to throw that out here. Be worried when you, when you love Isaac way too much. <laughs> I know a lot of you are receiving teaching from me and you're hearing the word from me and the message from me. But let me remind you that I am a human being. I am no king. I am no king over anyone. Okay. I am subject to every, everything everybody else is subject to. I face temptations like everybody else does. Thank God for his grace. I stay in relationship with him. But the reality is, is do not exalt me above measure. Do not make me something I am not. I am not God. <laughs> I am not God. And in first, cha- in first Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 says, moreover for me, far be it from you that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. That's what I will do. I'll teach you the way to go. But at the end of the day, I need to get you away from me because you weren't here to praise me and glorify me. I love it. I got lots of followers on, on social media, but guess what? You, I'm here to point you and deflect you to Christ. It's not about me. It's about Christ. And in verse 24, he says this, this is what he's praying for. And this is what I'm praying for, for each and every person here. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. He tells these people who just coronated the king coronated Saul as king, and yet he ends his coronation speech with, I know you made him king, but only fear the Lord and serve him. I know you elected Joe Biden as president, but only fear the Lord and serve him. I know you elected Donald Trump as president, but only fear the Lord and serve him. I know, you know, I know you serve at this church and you respect the pastor and you should always respect every minister, every pastor 
should is worthy of double honor and they should be honored. You should never disrespect them. You should always serve and serve alongside them, but only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your hearts. Now watch this last part. Watch this last part. Verse 25. But if you do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. This was not a celebratory coronation family. Just a side note. This was not, this is not a celebratory coronation. This wasn't like, hey guys, we made no, this was a, literally, this is this is him cussing them out <laughs> as he's coronating Saul as king. He's cussing them out as he's coronating Saul as king. And and he closes with this. If you do so wickedly, you shall be swept away, both of you and your king. Here's the reality. How can you hold your leaders, even in faith, to a standard that you don't hold yourself? How can you hold your leaders to a standard if you aren't being ruled by Christ? If the Lord isn't ruling you, how can you expect and ask for the Lord to rule those he puts over you? I say that to say that we've got to change our paradigm, that those who've been called to be pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, all these roles that they hold within the church, they're called to equip the saints, meaning we're coming alongside you. As a pastor, as one who fulfills a pastoral role, an apostolic role, I'm here to just preach the gospel, to send people out, to equip people, to send you out, to go and but I come alongside you. I do not rule over you. Yes, yes, I've been called to a higher calling. I've been called to the role of bishop. I've been called to that role. And yet even then, I come alongside you. I am subject to the same thing that you are subject to. The word of conviction for me is, I have to be ruled by Christ and at the same time convict my church to be ruled by Christ. I have to be ruled by Christ in the same way that I am asking and convicting each and every one of you who are watching today to be ruled by Christ. Last thing, and I'm done. Because now in 1 Samuel 13 that we read, we're going to see what happens when kings who weren't called to be ministers were made kings, but not ministers and priests. Saul was anointed and coronated as king, but Samuel was still the prophet. And yet Saul got so puffed up and prideful that he felt like he can fulfill the role that he should not fulfill. I, I know this is, man, I don't got time. I don't got time. I don't have time, y'all. Okay, because I got to go. You know what I realize? Saul, read that text again. Saul now in the celebration. So Saul is receiving all this praise from all these people about him being king and this good looking man. And now he's got delegations of guys following him and, and going where he goes. And he's feeling good about himself. And now they need to go to war. And because they need to go to war, he's waiting on Samuel. But now he's like, I don't need to wait on Samuel. I don't need to wait on the prophet. Let me perform the sacrifice myself. 
because let me do the role of of the prophet here, even though he wasn't a prophet, even though he had the spirit of the prophet on him, and that even though the Lord had filled him with the spirit in particular times, but yet Samuel was the one who was called to do the work of mediating for God's people, not not Saul, but Saul felt like he could do it now because the people were praising him. This is what happens when you celebrate somebody more than they should be celebrated. Those who have incredible giftings and anointings, this is what happens when you start celebrating people. And yes, you should encourage them. And I can say this, guys, I need encouragement every day. I'll say that right now. There are days where I don't want to do ministry anymore. There are days where I feel like I'm ineffective. There are days where I feel like I'm failing in ministry. I have those days all the time all the time. There are days I feel like I'm failing. There are days I feel like I'm not good enough. There are days I feel like, man, I don't know if I'm doing this right. There are days where I'm like, I don't know, God. Find somebody else to do this. There are days, but then I, I get encouraged every day and I love it and I, I appreciate the encouragement. I love that no one really fully pumps me up. They're just encouraging me and that's great. But what happens when we make celebrities out of men who are called to serve? And the moment that we make them celebrities, we elevate them. We elevate them in a way that now pumps them up, inflates their heads, and makes them now feel like they can do things that they weren't necessarily called to do. There are pastors who shouldn't be pastors. Sorry if I say it. There are preachers that shouldn't be preachers. There are ministers that shouldn't be ministers. There are prophets that shouldn't be prophets. There are there are people who are fulfilling roles that they should not fulfill. And the only reason was is that they had a pride that was inflating in them that made them feel like, well, I can do this because there's a void in that. And who created that? The people of God themselves did. Saul got prideful. He got pumped up. And he let the pride and the pumping up of the people get him to 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 perform this sacrilegious, this sacrilegious endeavor. He does the sacrifice, and then, and so what we see now, and this is what I want you to have attention to, is he's two years into his rule, and by year three, he's already been discredited. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, save that somewhere, family. He says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul has already been fired. Saul has been fired. Year two, ruling. When he reigned two years over Israel, he was fired. And Samuel told Saul this in confidence. So who knows who knew this? We don't know who knew this, but we knew Saul knew, and we knew not everyone else knew. And so as a consequence, Saul was going to operate now for another 20 to 30 years. He was going to operate as king for 30 years, and yet he was fired. He was fired, (laughs) y'all. He was fired 
in year, at the end of year, after two years, in year three, he was fired. Terminated. <laughs> I like that. And notice, pay very close attention. He says in verse 14, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What does that say? That means that the Lord already had his replacement. Did you hear that? His replacement was already there. The man after his own heart, we're going to learn later on because the scriptures tell us that David was the man after God's own heart. So we learn later on who that man was. David has already been chosen to replace Saul by year three in Saul's rule. And so Saul now is going to rule for the next few decades, fired. There are some ministers right now who the only reason why they are in their roles is because of God's grace, but they've already been fired. And yet notice that while they were fired, there was a replacement right behind them. David right now is a poor little shepherd's boy in Bethlehem. A poor little shepherd's boy. And yet David already knew that he was going to be king. A man after God's own heart. <sighs> Let's let the Lord rule over us. As I close in prayer, I want you to pray, God, rule over me. Break me from my dependence on man and mankind. Break, break me from my dependence to, to hear from you through other people. Break me from my dependence on, on being ruled by, by culture and society. Teach me to be ruled by you. Lord, rule my heart. He wants to rule you. So either you choose him or you choose man. Choose this day whom you can serve, who you will serve, for you cannot serve two masters. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us as we've come together, Father. I just ask, Lord, that as we have closed this time, Lord, that you would convict us of this truth, Lord, that we are to serve you. You and you alone, that together as one body, we serve you. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that we don't succumb to the temptations of this world. Succumb to the temptation of being ruled by those with charisma, those who are with power. Lord, the powers that be, be it in the church, outside the church, in culture, in society, Lord, that we would find and align our will to yours, that you would rule over our hearts, that you would be king over us, king over our hearts, king over our homes, 
king over our communities, king over our cities, and that you would be king over our world, that one day we would declare that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say that in Jesus' name, amen and amen.